everyone. Welcome back to the Love Meets Joy podcast on the Smile Train Podcast Network. I'm Iva Ballou, CEO and founder of Real Sophisticated Joy, and I am a cleft confidence coach who was also born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. Hey everyone, I'm Ashley Barber, and I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate as well. And I'm the creator of Cleft Love. By day, I work as a teacher consultant with kids with hearing loss. And today, I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about the specifics of our cleft journeys. We're going to talk about the types of cleft that we had, our surgeries, and we're going to get into some of the more emotional parts of this journey as well. Oh, I don't know if we're ready, Ashley. We're always ready. But before we jump in, Iva, did you have anything exciting happen this week? I feel like I'm so glad it's Friday. That part, majorly that part, but so something that interesting that happened to me this week, I think it's a good tie into what we're going to talk about today is last night I had the opportunity to walk in a fashion show, my first time ever doing so. And I can remember while walking, just being like, is this really my life now? Because younger Iva would have never, you know, we're going to talk about how that sense of not feeling pretty was always a thing that I had growing up. So to be in a fashion show and have people come up to me afterwards saying that I was like one of their favorite models was just surreal. So that's what's going on in my world. We need that sort of representation in fashion, absolutely, in movies, on TV. And so I think that's really powerful, not only as a woman with a facial difference, but also an African-American woman with a facial difference, I think is probably very powerful for not only people who have facial difference or other African-American women, but just people in general to see someone with difference and how beautiful you are. Well, thank you. But yeah, that's exactly how it felt. It was like, oh, I'm actually showing up and it's not just for me, but other people. And it was just a really special moment. So that was just a little... Nice little way to end the week off. So exciting. That's definitely amazing. I know that we mentioned in the beginning, usually Mm -hmm. when we start off the podcast, we kind of talk about the type of clefts that we were born with. So we actually both were born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. Mm -hmm. But I know that yours was a little bit different than mine. Can you explain how? So I had a complete bilateral cleft lip and palate. So what that means, everyone, is that it was on both sides of my upper lip, so the outer lip that you can see, and it went all the way into my nose. And then on the inside, the cleft was affecting the hard and soft parts of my palate. Ashley does an amazing job of explaining what that is. I promise everyone, the first time I heard her tell it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what it is. And so the way to figure out what your palate is, is think about when you eat peanut butter, your tongue gets stuck at the roof of your mouth and that is your palate. <laughs> and I promise you, when Ash, like, again, Ashley said it one time and I was just like, these, I've been searching how to describe it for 30 years and Ashley in one moment <laughs> figured it out. So, but, so that's what I have. <laughs> And Ashley, what about you? Yeah, so I actually had the complete bilateral cleft lip and palate as well, um, mm-hmm. open on both sides, hard and soft palate. Basically, when I was born, I didn't have much of a palate at all. 
which mm-hmm. made feeding really difficult. So at first they weren't sure how I was going to be able to be fed because right. there's no pallet there. I wasn't able to establish suction at all in any way. Neither was I. And Neither was I at yeah, all. It's actually kind of a, an interesting story when my parents were in the hospital. A mm-hmm. nurse, I think, found... I think it was a four ounce glass bottle, my mom says. And then at Mm. the bottom of a drawer in the back somewhere, Mm. someone was able to find a lamb's nipple, which is Mm. what you use to feed lambs on a farm. And it was really long and it was soft, like the consistency of a rubber glove. So because it was so soft, I was able to just have it in my mouth and sort of bite down on it and express. Kind of gum it. Yeah, well, yeah, and just express milk and because it was so far back, it just went into my throat without it coming out my nose. And I know a lot of people uh, born with especially cleft palate have a difficult Mm. time nursing. Did you also have a hard time nursing? Were you able to be breastfed at all? Not at all. Not at all. My mother said that I had a special bottle that she had to feed me with. I'll have to ask her what was up with the the nipple part. Um, But it definitely was the same situation. Never breastfed. And just all the time growing up, it was difficult with eating until Mm. it was finally repaired, which is something that we're going to get into the lovely things that come along with having a missing palate. <laughs> yeah. And I think something that is going to be really exciting for us to talk about in a future episode is we're going to actually have our moms on. I know. I know. That's I totally can't wait for that to sort of hear what their experience was like. Mm-hmm. And we'll be able to ask them more about what their experience was like trying to feed us and what that felt like. Cause I think there's a lot of stress on moms, especially to breastfeed and provide breast Mm -hmm. milk for your babies. And when you can't, I'm interested to talk to our moms about what that was like. Right. Cause it's like, yes, there is stress about the breastfeeding, but it's also the main point is taking care of your child. And so I love the fact of our moms are like, by any means, we're going to get it done. Yes. So for people who don't know a whole lot about cleft, I -hmm. think it's important to note that a lot of times a feeding specialist is needed in the beginning soon after the baby's born. And a lot of times people think, oh, it's just a surgeon, but actually there's a whole bunch of people whole team and for the audience for those who aren't cleft affected like I think when my friends finally realized like oh every year you go and see multiple doctors yes like it's with birth you are given at least a minimum of what maybe like six different doctors of different specialties yeah there's a dentist and an mm-hmm. orthodontist and a plastic surgeon so, and an oral a speech surgeon. therapist as well yeah, a I speech therapist to- Sometimes uh, ENT, ear, nose, and throat doctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's just this whole wraparound team. You also might have like a social worker just, you know, just to make sure that you have other resources. It's a full village. People who don't understand or aren't familiar with cleft often think, oh, it's just a surgery and then you're done. But Mm -hmm. it's so multifaceted that it requires this whole team approach. It really is a journey. We keep saying that, but it is a lifetime journey that it's mm-hmm. never, even if that, that cleft affected person has one surgery, they still have other things that may go yes. along with that into adulthood. So yeah. it's never just one surgery and it's fixed. Yeah. And something that I think 
many people have a memory of mm-hmm. is the first time that they realized that they were different. Mm-hmm. Or maybe people don't necessarily remember it, but maybe their parents remember a story of it. So do you, are you able to pinpoint a specific time? So I have, I'm going to let my mother tell her story. I love okay. when hearing her story for that. I mean, obviously yeah. she always was aware of it, but she has one particular story. Um, she yeah. handled her as far as better than I did, but mine, mm. I was about five and it was in daycare because mm. I went to like a really small family oriented daycare. Everybody knew me. A lot of the kids I had grown up with. But then there was a new girl. And I mean, granted, she was a kid. Quick kids are inquisitive, especially for things that they don't know. Yeah. And just her response and reaction. It was it was not bad. I do want to say that it was not bad, but it just made me feel othered and different. Yeah. And in that moment, it was like, okay, I am different because like I said, prior to that, we've grown up together. So it was just, oh, that's Iva. Um, But at that moment, I became very aware that I was different. And it seemed like from then on. Yeah. And then you just had that awareness in your head yeah it was almost like it was awakened like I became probably more conscious of it it was probably always there but I had never really paid any attention because you're five you're a kid you're you know living your best life yeah that's so true she made it aware to me that I was different I feel like when I was growing up something else that made me feel other or different was Mm -hmm. having to miss school for so many surgeries. How many surgeries have you had? Because that's something that's different for a lot of people in the cleft community. Sometimes there are common surgeries that we have, Mm -hmm. but the number of surgeries can range from one for some people who have a very mild cleft all the way to, you know, 30, 40, everybody's number. It's kind of different. So how many have you had? It's 20, 30. It, it, it was high. Have you really? It was, yeah, it was high. Wow. But uh, it was, uh, some of them were like small little minor surgeries, like yeah. just trying to correct. And again, I also state that a lot, I would say like the last four to five of my surgeries were mm-hmm. self-imposed because I was searching for this sense of perfection yeah. that was yeah. never going to happen. So I will preference that like yeah. maybe the last couple of them were because of me were those in adulthood yes they were um Mm. I had my last one uh 2010 so I was like okay no 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 I think yeah no yeah 2010 I believe Mm. um like 21 22 years old yeah that was my last one so how about you I had six surgeries uh so I had lip repair Mm -hmm. palate repair yeah when I was Four, I had a lip revision and mm-hmm. rhinoplasty. So the columella yes. is the place in between your nostrils. So mm-hmm. I had a columella lengthening. So they like made it so that I had more projection. Same. And then I had a bone graft. Yes. And then I had jaw surgery. And then I had my rhinoplasty. I feel like I'm missing one. I don't know what it was. But did you, when you had lip repair, did they repair each side separately? No. They did them together. Yeah. They did both of mine together as well. Yeah. But I just wondered if that was like one of your additional no. surgeries. Because I know that they talked about potentially doing mine separately. So there, they did the, the, my lips. They then pulled it down because so that way there yeah. was more spacing. 
Um, I think I want to say like maybe three different rhinoplasties. Obviously had to fix the palate. I think they did two surgeries on that. I had the jaw reconstruction. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, my lovely um, bone graft graft surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I know I did have maybe one or two other surgeries. They weren't cleft directly related. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I, I was like six months old when I had my first one. Oh, okay. Because they typically want you to have it, your first one between three months to a year. And so yes, I had mine. mine was three months. Yeah. yeah, I had mine at six months. So, and then yeah. another one, I think at like nine months. So another question I have for you is mm-hmm. like, what kind of patient were you? Because I think you and I have had conversations about this before. <laughs> and I think we were very different patients. So audience, you can't see it, but I am laughing hysterically right now because yes, Ashley and I are very different. So as patients, yeah, as patients. So I be first off, because I was in the hospital so often, I became like the welcome girl. Like if there was new kids that were coming in for whatever surgery, I was like, oh, it's going to be okay. I would say that I was a great patient. <laughs> um, like you were always happy, like at the doctor and. I was happy, but I also, I needed to know everything that was going on. I was very mm. much so wanting to know what is going on. What is the plan? Yeah. Because again, I was, as even as a young age, was really searching because I truly believe, we've talked about this before, Ash, like I truly believe yeah. that I could surgery my way out of having a cleft yeah with my cleft palate it, it went all the way up to my eye for a condition called Peter's anomaly and even with that it causes my left eye to tear up I even looked mm. into having a surgery to widen my tear duct and they're like well we could mm. do it but it would always basically I would look like I was always crying which it already does that so I was like well I can't do that but that is how mm. far I was willing to go to get quote quote rid of the cleft I just really thought that I could become perfect so were some of your surgeries included in that 20 number were some of those Mm -hmm. on your eye or your like eyelid I never had surgery on my eye or eyelid because I couldn't Mm -hmm. find anyone to do it but if I could have I would have Um, but a lot of it was most of them came from my nose Mm -hmm. um, because trying to get that as symmetrical as possible yeah Um, so how many how about you Ashley how what type of patient were you I found hospitals and especially surgery appointments and cleft clinic days I found all of those very scary and anxiety producing really and so I wanted to know absolutely nothing so I I would make sure that my parents didn't tell me when the surgery was going to be until like maybe a week before, because otherwise I would be up all night and it would be all I would think about all day, every day. I don't know at what age I started to believe this, but I was always certain that the anesthesia was going to kill me and that I was going to die on the table. And so I would think about the surgery date and think Mm -hmm. about maybe that's going to be the last day that I'll be alive. I think that was the root of my fear overall. Mm -hmm. And so even going to the appointments leading up to a potential surgery, 
I would leave the room once they started talking about the surgeries and I would, you know, bring my book or I would, you know, sit and close my eyes and plug my ears. And um, I had no desire to know any of it, what was going on. So I definitely found those to be really challenging days and challenging times for sure. I I want to give you a hug, Ash, because it's like you have to know, but I do understand that. I could see, mm. especially if that was your driving fear, you would be like, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything with that. So, yeah. okay. Well, did you have any kind of weird, crazy contraptions? Because I know for myself, I had a headgear that definitely prevented a couple of sleepovers. Yeah. Yeah. I did definitely have some things that they came up with. Um, One of the things was a palette expander, but instead of a Mm -hmm. key, it was spring loaded. Mm -hmm. And I think what you just mentioned about having headgear is sort of one of the pieces of having a cleft that really Mm. impacts you socially it it does because you look different already and then Mm. you miss school for appointments and surgeries so there's a lot of attention paid to your difference already Mm -hmm. so I'm curious how do you think having a cleft growing up with a cleft growing up sort of medically needy how do you think that that impacted you Oh, the, the line that you just said about being medically needy, I think is the driving force of me as an adult now, not mm. liking to ask for help, not wanting to be seen as, you know, a weak or a victim or yeah, incapable of things. Like I've just now gotten to a place where I can be okay with asking for help and understanding that it didn't, doesn't mean that I'm weak. Yeah. Even when I would have my surgeries and I would have friends come visit or family come visit, there was always a sign on the door that was like, no crying, no sadness. Mm. If you were going to come, you had to come in there positively. Um, My mom would get upset with me because I wouldn't take like the pain meds after the surgery. And she was like, you don't have to be brave. You don't have to be brave. If you're in pain, it's okay. Yeah. I just, I I couldn't, I just did not want to be seen in that way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I wonder if then is it hard now because you don't want to be seen as needy or whatever? Mm-hmm. Do you find that if you interact with someone who appears more needy in general, does that get on your nerves? No, because it's not me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I can see that. No, that makes sense. I just was curious if it somehow maybe triggered a part in you, you know? No. What triggers me is when I feel like I'm being needy. Like that is when I'm like, okay. Nope, need to pull back a little bit. Yeah. The funny thing is, if someone else is being needy, I'm the first one I want to help. Mm. So when I really needed you, <laughs> yeah, like was after my jaw surgery, one of the core memories that stands mm-hmm. out to me is having a big emotional impact, other than just sort of physical pain after surgery. And with jaw surgery, for those of you who don't know, Mm -hmm. uh, your jaw is often wired or rubber banded shut. So mine was supposed to be wired shut. And then I found out the morning of surgery that they were going to rubber band it. So it's still, I wasn't able to open it at all, but somehow 
that made me feel relief that it was just rubber banded. You were lucky. You were definitely lucky. I I was wired shut. I still couldn't open my mouth. So it wasn't a matter of luck, truly. But what we both had, I know we've talked about this before, is the way to feed ourselves. So after jaw surgery, you're on a on a strictly liquid diet and you have a syringe that hold, it was pretty wide. Mine was pretty wide. And then there was um, a catheter. So like a very Mm -hmm. bendy tube on the end that was like six inches long. And you would basically stick the tube in a liquid and then you would Mm -hmm. suck it up and then you would thread the tube along the outside of your teeth to the back of your mouth where you could push the liquid and swallow it. So I remember after my jaw surgery, it was maybe like five or six days and I went out to lunch with my mom and my aunt and my cousin. We went to A&W for the explicit reason that there was something there that I would be able to order. So they have this thing called a brown cow, which is basically an ice cream float that is blended together. So I was like, great, this is going to be perfect. And even five days in to my six week liquid diet, I was already starving (laughs) all of the time. And I walk in and I smell hamburgers and French fries and my stomach's like growling, right? So I get my brown cow drink and I stick Mm -hmm. the tube in and I go to like suck up the liquid (laughs) so I could taste it. I can see where this is going. (laughs) It was too thick and I couldn't Uh... suck it up into the tube. And I just started crying. Like I was so hungry and I was so just, I think emotionally overwhelmed from the whole experience. Oh, that's one of the things that I think back on when I think about really tough parts after surgery and it's little moments like that, you know, I can, I can relate. So with my jaw surgery, I, I, mine was wired shut. I think this was one of the very few times that I had a surgery that my mother was concerned because mm-hmm. I later found out that she was slipping me insure into my chocolate milkshakes because I was so depressed. Mm. Your mouth is truly wired yeah. shut or rubber band shit. You cannot open it. You can't mm-hmm. t- really talk. You can't laugh. And so it's almost like a part of you, especially me. I like to laugh. I like to be very joyful. Yeah. Th- that's gone for a time. Mm. And then you also cannot eat food. Regular yes, food. And the insure that sure. you just mentioned, my mom used to sneak it into my milkshakes and I would be like, there is insure in this. Yes. I'm not drinking can, this. It's obvious <laughs> that it's in there. And then, it, you know, my mother would try to be creative and make all these different recipes and it just, it, it was not working. Um, <laughs> and so like Ashley was talking about with the syringe, socially, imagine guys going to school And I would have to go into, thankfully, Miss Thompson's classroom at lunch. Mm. And my friend Kristen was nice enough to come sit with me as I'm sitting there trying to suck up my lunch to spread it back. (laughs) But, (laughs) but you know, in every rough tragedy, there is a moment where you reign victorious. And for me, that moment was, it was my sophomore year and because of the liquid diet, obviously, you're going to lose some weight. Mm. So that was the first time. This sounds really bad out loud, but it was the first time that I was able to fit like a size eight or 10 dress. Yes. My doctor had told me that as long as I didn't bump anything and I was really careful that I yeah. could have it off by the formal dance. 
Yeah. So I was doing everything that I had to do. I was actually eating because again, I had to be a certain weight too, because he was like, you know, I don't want you to be unhealthy. Mm. So I got it off. And I was able to go to the dance. And I still have a picture of me in this black off the shoulder dress. It is a moment that is just I, I think about it often because I can remember that it was like the first time that I felt pretty and gorgeous. Yeah. And I remember like the guys at the dance, mind you, they've all seen me before, I'm, it, but they yeah. actually looked at me and I felt like they looked at me and didn't see my cleft. They saw me. Mm. Did you feel like you had a she's all that moment? It was definitely my <laughs> she's all that moment. It was just... And the funny thing is, for anyone who knows me, they know, like, I, I love Disney. I'm all about the princess moment. And, like, that was the closest <laughs> that I had ever come to my princess moment. And it was just, it was everything. It was everything. My hair was up and a little up to, like, I remember that night because I just felt so beautiful. All because my, my mouth was wired shut from August to October. That's amazing. And, so you couldn't yeah. eat, and lo and behold, you had your transformation. Formation, I had my transformation moment. Again, it, <laughs> it was a black satin ball gown off the shoulder. And that was another big thing because, like, normally my mother was like, you can't be doing. No, it was off the shoulder with a little sheer top. I, <laughs> when I tell you, I remember this dress because of what it did for me. It, it was more than a dress. It was definitely a transformational yeah. moment. Um, oh did you also feel like transformed because of how you look because my jaw surgery I feel like made almost one of the biggest differences in how I look no well I don't think so at the time Mm. I don't think yeah but you know let me go back and look at the pictures because I do still have it so you never know audience I'll put them up on social media and we can see what what you say um but you know, we can talk forever. We got to go to break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some of our current struggles that we may be having. Um, so let's go to break. We are happy to tell you more about our sponsor, Smile Train. Smile Train pioneered a sustainable model of partnering with local medical professionals in more than 70 countries. In 22 years, it has supported more than 1.5 million safe cleft surgeries, more than all other cleft charities combined. And as many people in our audience know, children born with clefts often need more essential cleft treatments than just surgery. Because their partners provide local year-round care, Smile Train is also able to fund nutritional support, dental care, orthodontic treatment, speech therapy, and psychosocial support for those who need it. Smile Train invests in their partners, providing them with the state of the art equipment and training they need to make safe and quality care possible for those who need it most. Go to smiletrain.org/donate/lovemeetsjoy today and donate $21 a month to make sure that every child with a cleft can receive the care they need whenever they need it. All right, welcome back from break. So, Iva, I feel like we've talked about some sort of heavy things over the last segment. Let's pull it back. Let's pull it back a little bit. So now (laughs) I want to talk about sort of the funny aspects of this whole 
thing. There's so many. There's so many. (laughs) Some of them are funny. Some of them are frustrating. But what I think is that they're common for more of us than we even realize. Absolutely. So what is something that you struggle with that you think is because of your cleft? So it's not I it's not that I think I know me and Peppa Pig got one thing in common. We cannot whistle and I am oh, no. very upset about it, okay? <laughs> I am very upset about it and the fact that other people are whistling really does bother me. And when I was growing up, I struggled to be able to like blow a bubble to the point that I would have <laughs> It's kind of nice, nasty. Sorry, audience. But I would have my mom start the bubble and then I would take it. Yeah. So I could, so I could feel like I blew a bubble. But I yeah. can blow my own bubbles now, guys. I can blow my own bubbles now. I, but I remember my mom doing that with balloons for me because sometimes like I got to a point where I could blow it up, but it had to be like really stretched out first. Yeah. So sometimes I would have her blow it up first and then I would be able to blow it up or she would start it. Right. And she would yeah. also start my milkshakes. Like when we mm-hmm. would go to McDonald's and I would get a milkshake, it would be too thick for me to yeah. suck in the straw by myself. But once it got started, then I was able to actually drink it. So And that's something <laughs> that's fairly, that is very common in the club community for those of us who, you know, are missing parts of our our palate like again guys yes. you don't realize it until you don't have something but that is very important and then also do you ever have food come out of your nose like pasta yes. um <laughs> so you have mentioned like long spaghetti noodles before and i've not ever had pasta but i have had like rice and if it's like spicy because there's sriracha or something on it like it makes me want to cry like it's so terrible I- I've never had rice, but definitely pasta. I figured that out on a date. And oh, no. I'm not going to get it. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I'm not going to get into too much detail, but sometimes throwing up is not fun. Yes. No. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I definitely know what you're talking about. And then <laughs> do you ever, um, when you eat popcorn and the little kernels somehow flip the wrong way and get stuck yes. in your palate scars? Yes. Yep. Does that and you have yes, and you have to fight to try to get it out. Yeah. Oh, it is just <laughs> the worst. And some of these things were worse prior to our bone graft surgeries because we still had mm. the hole in our mouths. Like I think some people don't realize that when, you know, you have palate repair, but for a lot of us, there's still something there. Correct. So it makes it challenging for, you know, blowing up bubbles, blowing up balloons, Everything. doing all of those things for sure. Most of us have our bone graft surgery at the age of 10. So that's a long time to be living. For sure. (laughs) Like that. So that one kind of like came in the middle of my cleft surgeries. What was your last or most recent cleft surgery? My last surgery was, and it was still a part of my cleft, um, was my rhinoplasty. That was my last Mm. one. Me too. Me too. That was my last one. Um, yeah. And it's funny because that last one was the hardest one. Oh, really? That's interesting. I was 21 right after college. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is going to be the one. Because I had gone to a new mm. plastic surgeon this time. So I just yep. knew that this is going to be the the magic eraser one, right? Everything's yeah. going to be right yeah. after this one. Yes. And all in all, he did a great job. Um, because, yeah. again, as we often mention, 
me being an African-American woman, he was very, you know, poignant to make sure that my nose um, fit for my, for my aesthetic. And he did a great job of that. That's something that I was always very keen on, like, Mm. but the cleft was still there. And it was in that surgery that I had to face up and realize, hey, you can't outrun this cleft. You're going to always have a cleft. It was sad and good at the same time. Mm. I had almost the exact same experience, but when I had mine done, I was 30. So I Mm. remember it was put on the table when I was about 18 and I was like, no more surgeries. I'm done. I'm over this. I'm happy the way I am. And that's an important part of this journey as well, because I think Mm -hmm. at 18, I reached a certain level of acceptance. And then when I was 30 and I decided that I actually was kind of interested in pursuing this rhinoplasty, I sort of had a a conflicting piece inside of me because then I wondered if the last 10 years I'd been lying to myself or whatever. But so I went ahead with it. And similar to you, I was certain afterwards, everyone was going to be like, wow, you look amazing. Like, who's that person? Yeah. I thought like maybe people wouldn't stare at me anymore. And, And I remember I didn't tell hardly anyone I was doing it. And then when I started seeing my friends afterwards, I was like, all right, they're going to say something, you know, and Literally nobody did. And the only comment that I did get was one person asked me if I had lost weight so they could tell something was different, but it wasn't my nose and no one was like, your face is so gorgeous, you know? Exactly. It is a hurtful thing because it's just like we had this idea. Um, Mm. And so you just have to, that self-acceptance was a hard one. It is hard. And I think it was this moment of trying to figure out when I was going to be done. You know what I mean? Actually, I had a surgery scheduled for maybe six months after my rhinoplasty. I was going to have a fat graft in my upper lip. Yeah, because it tugs up in the middle because over time the scars have contracted. And really what they would normally do for that is the Abbey flap surgery. Uh, But in the recovery, they sew your lips together. And I just was not about that life. And so I was like a fat graft, I'm going to do that. So I actually had it scheduled. And then I ended up getting a cold. So the week before surgery or something, I canceled it. And I never ended up rescheduling it. But it was Mm -hmm. because I've, I've sort of had this struggle inside of me trying to figure out Mm-hmm. So I do the fat graft and then what, you know? Because you're going to always be looking. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was sort of then that I realized that it was sort of this inside job that I was, mm-hmm. it wasn't this external something that was going to give me the acceptance I'd been looking for. Do what you need to do to make mm-hmm. yourself feel good and yeah. feel beautiful. But you have to understand that perfection is not obtainable. Like, and that's yeah. something that that's where I'm at now. And so I'm very yeah. happy where I'm at now, but it's yeah. because as we've always talking about, I've done the inside work and I'm yeah. actually proud to say that I yeah. am a cleft affected woman, just like I'm proud to say I'm a black woman. I'm proud to say that I'm yes. a cleft affected woman. And so I don't want to hide it anymore. Um, like yeah. we, we're talking about our bone graph and most cleft affected people, they have a bone graft scar mm-hmm. and mine was like kind of fading away for a while. And I was upset. I didn't want it to go. 
It's on the hip. For people right. who don't know, the bone graft is where they take a piece of your bone marrow or bone from your hip. Because where the cleft is in your mouth, there's a gap in the gum, like there's no bone there. And so and they meld together. Yes. And so then it makes it so that our teeth are more solid. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a badge of honor that most of us have. And because mine yeah. was fading away, I was really getting sad because to me, it's like, it's a testament to what I've gone through. And yeah. it's, it's a part of it's a part of me and I don't want it to leave me. I don't want my cleft yeah. to leave me. Full circle. I think that's such a really important and powerful note for us to end on that perfection is unattainable. And also that the acceptance of who we are had to truly come from within ourselves. Yes. Over anything external that we could do to our faces or bodies. Yeah, exactly. Because what's in you always comes out. And so the more that we can pour in that love and that joy, we got it. Well, everyone, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we'd love to hear from you. What was your journey like? Please email us at lovemeetsjoy at smiletrain.org. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Real Sophisticated Joy. And you can find me on Instagram at cleftloveig or on TikTok at cleftlove. And don't forget to go to smiletrain.org to learn more about all the wonderful and amazing things Smiletrain is doing for the cleft community around the world. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming site. And while you're there, please don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Yes. All right, everyone. Bye. See you next week. Bye. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all of your friends to listen. Questions or episode ideas? Email us at lovemeetsjoy at smiletrain.org. We can't wait to hear from you. Love Meets Joy is a product of Smile Train. Our hosts are Iva Ballou and Ashley Barber. Our senior producer and editor is Ariel Nachman. Our Smile Train producer is Adina Lesher. Love Meets Joy is presented by Smile Train, the world's largest cleft-focused organization. One in 700 babies is born with a cleft, a potentially life-threatening birth difference that can cause difficulties eating, breathing, hearing, and speaking. The good news? Smile Train developed a sustainable model that empowers local healthcare workers around the world to provide life-saving cleft treatment to all who need it everywhere on earth 100% free. Learn more at smiletrain.org. The information provided in these recordings is meant to be helpful to you and is provided as is for informational purposes only. Smiletrain cannot guarantee it is accurate, up-to-date, or error-free. We are not responsible for the content and disclaim all liability concerning actions taken or not taken based on these recordings.